Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue on in our series, The Prevailing Church, out of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Last week, last Sunday night, um, we talked about filling the position. And uh, we said that my willingness allows God to perform his will. So we need to be willing. And then when we're willing, God will be able to do what he needs us to do, or will be able to do uh, through us what he needs to do. And um, so we looked at, number one, the purpose of the position. We looked at how that the apostles needed to bring in another, another man, and they end up electing uh, Matthias. So they needed the purpose of the position. So we looked at that. And we looked at the prerequisites of the position. And then we looked at their predisposition and the predisposition from the apostles was that they prayed. They prayed about this thing. They didn't uh, just go into it blind, but they prayed about it. And then the candidates, the candidates were willing. So those are some of the things that we looked at last week. I do want to remind you, um, several weeks ago, actually it was two weeks ago now, um, some of us committed to praying for 66 days for our church. And I uh, hope you'll continue to do that. This is day 14, in case you've forgotten. And uh, continue on. Keep doing it. Don't let Satan stop you. Um, there's, uh, he always tries to stop things when uh, things are going well and that the Lord is trying to do. So continue to pray for God's will to be done on this church. Tonight I want to preach to you a message called Equipping Leadership. And again, we, this kind of touched on it a little bit last week and how uh, in our mission statement, that's one of the things that we want to do. We not only want to edify the saints, but we want to equip leaders. We want people to be um, the best that they can be. And that's one of the things that we want to do here at Bible Baptist Church. And we're excited to be able to do that. But our second week in the book of Acts, um, I'm not sure how many of you remember all the things that we've talked about in the book of Acts, but the second week that we talked about Acts, we spent the entire time on the church's power and what the church's power should be, and that was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit should be the church's power. We spent most of our time looking at the fact that we can be witnesses and have the overcoming power of the Spirit in our lives. We talked about how the Holy Spirit can change our actions, how we can uh, be witnesses unto God, and how we can live a godly, Christ-centered life. We can live a victorious Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we would do that, we would be a prevailing church. And I still believe that. This week, I want to look at the side of the Holy Spirit that equips us for leadership. There's uh, many different aspects to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at a different one this evening. I would love to give everyone here this evening the resources that they need for leadership. I really do. I mean that. Um, I'm excited for um, our <clears throat> workers' appreciation night coming up March 2nd. By the way, we'll see an announcement about that. But just remember that March 2nd is going to be 50s Diner. And I'm really excited about that because we have some things that we want to introduce to you and, and equip you for your job. And so that's, that's something that I, I am, I'm passionate about, something that I want to do. Um, but I would, I would love that I could give everybody every resource they need for leadership. I would love to give uh, and teach everybody how to administrate well. I would love that. There are people that they just don't have that gift of administration. You know what I mean? And so I would love to be able to teach everybody that. I would love to show everyone how to communicate well. Not that I know how to administrate well and not that I know how to communicate well. But these are things that I would love to give people. I would love to show everyone how to be humble. That's a, that's a leadership quality. We need to be humble. We need to have humility. I would love to show everyone how to be passionate. Again, a leadership quality. I would love to show everyone that. I would love to show everyone how to be personable. 
You can be passionate but not personable. That's not very good leader. Leader needs to be a good personable person. And I would love to give everyone organizational abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Myself included in some ways. And I would love to give you the best software out there to help you. I would love to. I love, I love technology. I love how it works. I think it's amazing. I'd love to give you everything, all the tools that you need. But there is nothing more important to have in leadership. Get this. There's nothing more important to have in leadership than the Holy Spirit. Get this. Don't miss that. There's nothing more important. You can have all the software. You can have all the organizational abilities. You can have all the administrative abilities. But if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you will be a very poor leader. I want to read for you Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, now when this was noised abroad, the fact that they were speaking in tongues, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed, and behold, oh excuse me, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, I turned my page too fast, behold are not all these which speak Galileans. So they're amazed that these Galileans are speaking this way, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. And for our passage, let's stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this evening. Father, I pray that it would not be a waste of anyone's time to be here, but Father, that we would hear from you. Father, that we would be challenged in our lives. Father, that we would be the best equipped leader that we can possibly be for our family, for ourselves, for our church, and Father, for our community. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for even the opportunity to be able to meet in a place like this. And Father, we pray that you would use this time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I do want to preface this entire sermon with the fact that based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 11, I do not believe that the gift of tongues is present a present-day spiritual gift. I just want to preface that. If you disagree with that, I'm fine with you disagreeing with that. And we can have that discussion. Um, I would love to have that discussion with you. I just don't want you to be upset by it. But at the same time, I don't want to spend all of my time uh, discussing the spiritual gift of tongues at this moment. So I do want to preface that. Um, I just believe that there are many principles we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And I want to show you equipping leaders. There were 120 disciples all together at this time. And uh, they were together in one accord. And they had just elected the 12th apostle. And they are still waiting for the promise of the Father. Remember, the promise of the Father was that the Holy Spirit would come on upon them. We see that in Acts chapter 1 and how that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come not many days hence. 
The Holy Spirit does come and they are able to speak in every language present at that time in Jerusalem. I love that. All kinds, and I love how the Bible uh, definitely uh, tells us every language that they were speaking. And some amazing things, totally different than what probably they grew up with. And it's truly an amazing feat for what the Bible calls unlearned and ignorant men. They were Galileans. They were nothing special. They were not uh, the elitist of the elite, but they were just unlearned and ignorant men. We see people calling them that. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and allows them to do something absolutely amazing and unheard of at this time. The Holy Spirit is a power, I believe, that can transform natural or unnatural into supernatural. You see, I believe we have these natural abilities. I believe sometimes we have these unnatural abilities, things that we're not very comfortable with, but these things that these are the things that the Holy Spirit can take and that he can use and he can create them into something that is supernatural. A life given to God will always be more amazing than if it was just simply left on its own. Think about that. A life given to God will simply be far more amazing than if it was just left on its own. If you're going to write something down, I'll ask you to write this down. Resources given to God always become supernatural. Resources given to God always become supernatural. Could all of these people that have been that are here right now, they've been given the gifts of tongues, could all of those people speak? I think so. The Bible doesn't say that any of them were dumb or mute. I believe that all of them could speak. I believe all of them had the gift of talking. They may not have been experts at it. They may not have been uh, um, extroverted. Some of them may have been introverted. We don't know. But I believe all of them had the gift to be able to speak. And so this is, this is exactly what I'm getting at. They have a, a, an ability, a resource, and that's their tongue and their lips and their, their mouth and their vocal cords. And God has taken that now and he's caused it to become something that's supernatural. They had a resource. They gave it to God. It became supernatural, so much so that in verse 13, others, people mock and say, these men are full of new wine. They have never seen anything like this before. We, we don't understand. They, these people must be drunk. They're absolutely crazy. And God is doing something. So the question tonight is, what is it going to take for me to give my resources to God? I don't think it's any question. You can look throughout the Bible. You can see that when something is given to God, God takes it and he does amazing things with it. So what is it going to take for me to give my resources to God? That's the question of the evening. What is it going to take for me to give my resources to God? Well, the Bible gives us a wonderful example of a man who gave his resources to God. And this man became famous. This man became supernatural because of the things that he gave to God. And now I'm not advocating becoming famous. Really, that's not the goal. The goal is simply to give what you have to the Lord. And what the Lord does with that is up to him. But always, it will always, when it's given to God, it will become supernatural. I want to continue our story in Acts chapter 2 and look at verse 14. I want you to see if you can pick out the person. But Peter... Anybody got it yet? Okay, good. Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And he continues on, and we'll look at his message next week. But this is, this is a man 
man that the Bible gives us a wonderful example of, and his name is Lovely Peter. We know so much about Peter, don't we? Peter's frustrating at times. Peter is a, sometimes a uh, mirror image of ourselves. Most people would say, well, Pastor Yeomans, God used Peter because he was naturally gifted. He was a natural extrovert, right? He had a natural gift to that. He did, not, he did not care if he stood up in front of people. There is no way that I could stand up in front of people and do what you do. People say that to me all the time. People say that to people that, that do this all the time. There's no way that I could do that. And so we think, well, Peter has this natural ability to stand up in front of people and to, and to uh, be somewhat combative, and he, he's, he's totally fine with those things. And I would tend to agree with you. He does have a natural ability. But I want, I want to do a study of Peter tonight, if you'll allow me, and I want you to get your fingers nimbled up a little bit because we're going to turn a lot, okay? So I want you to go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And I want to show you Peter's natural ability. John chapter 6. And while we're looking through this history, I want you to look at three different sections. Three different things. Number one, I want you to look at what is the resource. Okay? So as we're studying, I want you to look at what is the resource. Okay? The second thing that I want you to look at is what is the root? Okay? What is the source? Where is this coming from? What is the root? Okay? The third thing I want you to look at is what is the result? Okay? So we see the resource. What is he using? What is the source of that? And then what's the result? Okay? So let's look at that. As we're going to look through a lot of things. Let's look through them. John chapter 6 and verse 66. John chapter 6 and verse 66. The Bible says this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus gave some prophecies. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Watch this now. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let me get your opinion. What was his resource? I'm going to help you out as we get going. His speech. He said something. Okay? His speech was his resource. Now, what was the root? What was the source? I believe in this moment the source was God. God revealed that to him. God gave him that. Listen, we don't have anybody else to go to. It's only you. You have the words of eternal life. And the result was he continued to follow. He had an opportunity to leave Jesus Christ at that moment. The result was a good result. He continued to walk with Christ. So the, the resource was his speech. The root was God. And what is the result? Very simply, he continued to walk with God. Now let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on these. I want to show you a pattern. Matthew 14 and verse 28. Matthew 14 and verse 28. Okay, the Bible says this. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Okay, so he's going to start walking on the water here. Verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? 
Okay, the resource. Simply was willing. Willing. I mean, he did say something here, but he simply had a willingness. I will do. God, if it's, if it's you, bid me come out. I'll, I'll, I'm willing to do what it is that you are doing. I'll, I want to take part in this, okay? So his resource was willingness. What was the root? Well, at first, at first, the source was Jesus Christ. And what was the result? He walked on water. His eyes were fixed on Jesus Christ. He, he was glued to Jesus Christ, but his root changed. Okay? His source changed. He began to look around and go, oh, no. And then his source became himself, or if you will, the wind and the waves. And what was the result? He sank. Okay, so you're starting to get a pattern of what I'm looking for here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. Matthew 16, 15. The Bible says, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, unto, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's see if you can figure this one out. I'm going to give this all to you guys. What's the resource? Anybody? He says something again. Okay, so let's go with speech again. Okay? He's saying something that's, that's absolutely truthful and absolutely um, prophetic. It's a good thing. Okay? What was the root? Anybody catch it? God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto me but my Father. That's the root. What's the result? What's the result? Look at verse 19. Well, and that's, that's absolutely a result, but he gets the keys to the kingdom of heaven now. I mean, this is a good thing. So are, are, you, are you getting this? The resources, he says something amazing. It's from the Lord. He, he, the result is good, and we see Peter do some great things as he continues. Let's go to uh, chapter 16 and verse 21. We just read 19. Just remember this. Okay? From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Watch this, verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Two verses later. Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. What's his resource? Again, his tongue. His speech. He said something, no, God, you're not going to do that. I won't let you do that. That's not going to... I love the word the Bible uses. He rebukes Jesus. Of all the people in the world to rebuke, why Jesus? Like, that's the dumbest thing that anybody's ever done, yet Peter does it. Peter does it. He rebukes Jesus, so his speech, what was the root? Himself. Absolutely himself. I don't know why he got full of himself, but he thought, no, this is not going to happen. I won't let it happen. He re the root is himself, so what's the result? He gets called Satan. And he says, get out of the way, Satan. You're, you're messing everything up. Literally, two verses later, 
God has revealed something unto him, and then out of the flesh, he says something that's absolutely wrong. Okay, Matthew 17, verse 4. I like this one. Matthew 17, verse 4, the Bible says, then uh, the history behind this is they're up on the mount, and Jesus is transfigured. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, and for thee, uh, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid, and the story will continue. So again, he says something. And then I believe it's simply from himself. The Bible doesn't say that it was from God at all. He says this thinking, oh, this is a good idea. And then the result is, I believe, God speaking and then this awkward silence. You ever get that point where somebody says something really dumb and you just, you just don't even know what to say and there's just this awkward silence? Uh, okay. You know, and that's almost what, like, the Lord doesn't answer him. The Lord never says, hey, listen, Peter, I really appreciate your exuberancy here, but really that's not the best thing. He doesn't even say that. God speaks, hear ye him. We don't see Jesus say hardly anything. There's just this awkward silence. Okay? So again, Peter's beginning to form a pattern. Go to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive, shall my, excuse me, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times. Not, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Okay, so what's his resource? Simply forgiveness. That's a good thing. Peter says, well, I mean, I want to forgive. I want to forgive. So how many times should I forgive? Seven times. So what's the root? Himself. Absolutely. How many times shall I, my brother, have sin against me? How many times shall I forgive him? It's him. What's the result? Jesus rebuking him and saying, no, it's 70 times 7. Okay? Let's continue. Go to Matthew chapter 26. I tried to keep them all in the same book, moving along to help us get there faster. Matthew chapter 26, and verse 33. Matthew 26 and verse 33. Jesus prophesies and tells him, you're going to deny me. So Peter, in verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Resource, again, his speech He's got an opportunity to say the right thing, and he says the wrong thing again. The root was himself. He wanted to stick up for Jesus, which is not a wrong thing, but it's not the right thing. Himself and the result, we know that he ends up denying Christ. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 51. 
Bible says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus, we know this to be Peter, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. What was his resource? His sword. He could have used it for good, and he thought he was. What was the root? Himself, again. And what's the result? Again, a good scolding from Jesus. Jesus says, those that live by the sword shall die by the sword. So are you beginning to see the pattern in Peter's life? Okay, let's continue. Matthew 26 and verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied, be, be, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto, came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. Watch this. For thy speech bereath thee. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. His resource, his speech, his root, undoubtedly himself. No doubt. And the result, he denies Christ. Let's go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. In verse 3. John chapter 21 and verse 3. The Bible says this, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered in a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So what was his resource? Fishing. Or his craft, if you will. This, this is what he was I mean, this is what he was before Christ called him. He was a fisherman. He knew how to fish. He knew what it was to, to be a fisherman. He knew the best places. This was his livelihood. So his craft, what was the root? Himself, again. He was going based on his, his thoughts and his, his ambitions. And what was the result? No fish. But the story didn't end there. The root changed. Same idea, same craft. He's in the same spot. Jesus comes and says, cast it on the other side of the ship. So the root, the source, is Jesus Christ. And what happens? A draught of fishes. So much so they can't even bring it in. This is the difference. Now I want to take you to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We see in Acts chapter 2, from verse 14 down to verse 36, Peter preaches a wonderful message and we'll again as i said we'll we'll dissect that just a little bit but remember that so th his his resource again is his speech he's speaking 
But now he, his root, he's full of the Holy Spirit. So it's not coming from himself. And we see that in verse 41. 41, then they that... Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You see, Peter, you've got a wonderful gift. You're extroverted. You're loud. You're obnoxious. You're this, that, and the other thing. But always, every single time that his resource was used for himself, he opened his mouth and he inserted foot. Almost always, we see just a couple examples where the Lord reveals something to him or the Lord uses him. But most of them, most of them are open mouth, insert foot. Or I'm going to use my sword or I'm going to use my craft for myself. And he gets a scolding. It never works out well for him. So you can have, you can have whatever natural ability that you want. And you can say, well, that's, that's their natural ability. But if it's used from yourself, if it only comes from within you, if your source is just you, then it's going to fail. It's never going to be what it could be. It's just going to be natural. When Peter tried to do something in his own strength, it always backfired. It took Peter, I believe, a long time to learn but he learned that his source needed to be the Holy Spirit. And when Peter relied on God, amazing, wonderful, great things happened. So let me ask you, what are we doing in our own strength? Every single day, what are we doing in our own strength that is failing? You say, Pastor says it's not failing and we, we, we get defensive about these things. Well, it's not failing. I mean, it's, it's not just an absolute flop, but no. But it could be supernatural. It could be something that's far better than what we currently have. And we, we so often, we just say, well, I'm okay with just to get by. I'm okay just to fluff it. I'm okay just to do what it is I have to do just to get by. No, it could be something that's supernatural. Our resources that are given to God can become supernatural. If you, were to, if you were to ask yourself, what is my resource? How can I use it for God? It would be amazing what God would do with it. How often are we putting our foot in our mouth, so to speak? How often do we see things backfire on us? I believe that if we will just give our resources to God, he will change them into something that is supernatural, and we won't be able to explain it. I'm convinced that if we can explain it, it's not God. I'm convinced of that. And so, so often we're like, well, this is how I did. This is how I became a good leader. Boom, 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 boom. And those are all good principles, and I challenge you to learn those things. But unless you learn those things and give them to the Lord, you will not be an equipped leader. You'll just be an average Joe leader. And I'm passionate about having this church, these people that sit before me tonight, being leaders, not only in this church, but leaders in this community. People that do something for Christ, but will never do it without being equipped with the Holy Spirit. If we cannot explain it, all we'll be able to say is God. God did it. Let me give you an example. Jesus was teaching and preaching on a hillside. 
And there were approximately 5,000 men, the Bible says, besides women and children. And they are there, and they're listening to Jesus, and they're listening all day, and they're not even worried about being hungry. Wouldn't that be nice? That, that's definitely not a Baptist church, obviously. Baptist people are always hungry. They're not worried about being hungry, but Jesus realizes that if I go much longer and they don't have something to eat, they're going to be famished and they're, they're, it's not going to be good. So Jesus tells his disciples, hey, go into town and buy some bread for these people. And one of the disciples, I believe it was Andrew, says, what? we only have 200 penny worth of bread. What is that going to do among so many? And I believe, again, I may be wrong, but Andrew is somewhere in the story. Andrew says, I have a lad here with simply, watch this, five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus takes that. Just, I mean, nothing special. Nothing amazing. Not even a natural ability. And says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to feed approximately, we assume, 15,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And some people have said, well, maybe they were really big loaves and really big fishes. Well, then the miracle is, the miracle then is a little boy carrying all that. Right? No matter what, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you want to excuse it, any resource given to God becomes supernatural. And we see that here with Peter. He had a natural ability. He had a natural ability to talk. But when he used his natural ability for, from a source of himself, it was always bad. It always ended up in failure. But when he gave it to God, 3,000 people get saved. This is the power. This is the supernatural power. If I could break this message down into one word, it would simply be this, surrender. Surrender. The best equipped leader is a surrendered leader. So let me ask you, what resources do you have? Every single one of us has resources. Can we all talk? Yep. Can we all do something? Absolutely. There's all things we can do. We all have resources. If you were to ask yourself every single time, what is my resource? Where is it coming from and what will the result be? If everything that you did, you said, all right, I'm going to take this. Is it going to come from me or is it going to come from God? And then you played out the result. If it comes from me, this is what's going to happen. If it comes from God, this is what's going to happen. Your wife does something that you just don't like. It's going to happen, right? Your resource is you have a responsibility to do something and to say something or whatever. You have a resource of speech. If it comes from within yourself, how good is that going to look? What's the result going to be? Probably not good, right? If you're anything like me, it's probably not going to be good. But if it comes from the Holy Spirit, what does it look like? It looks like a restored relationship. Good things coming from it. See what I mean? Every single time, play it through. What's my resource? What's the root? What's my source? What is the result of that? And I believe if we do that, we'll see some supernatural things happen because we'll be choosing to surrender our resources to Christ. The prevailing church must be a surrendered 
church. Will the Bible Baptist Church prevail because every single member surrendered? You see, again, we're no more surrendered than our most surrendered member. And so if everybody were to surrender just like you surrender, what kind of church would we have? That is such a sobering thought. If everybody gave of their resources to God the way that you give of your resources to God, how would our church look? Would it be a prevailing church? Would it be a church like we see here in the book of Acts, or would it be a church that you never hear from again? Every church member, every individual needs to be surrendered. What can God do with a surrendered bunch of people and a bunch of their resources? We see in one instance, Peter, one man, using his resource of speech, 3,000 people getting saved. Surrender. Surrender.